0: I just pray, uh, dear Heavenly Lord, that uh, we be open to the teachings of your word this morning. Uh, help us with the Holy, by your Holy Spirit uh, with our understanding. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, Mark chapter 5, reading from verse 21. Um, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there seeing Jesus. He fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding at once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? By Jesus, sorry, But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion, with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was, he took took her by the hand, and said to her, Talitha kahum," which means, "Little girl, I say to you, get up." Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was twelve years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Lord, this is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Chris. We've had some wonderful songs that have uh, helped to reveal the truth and beauty of this scripture to us this morning. Um, I want to uh, give you one more. This is by Nicole C. Mullen. Uh, I don't know what you enjoy the most about life, but um, one of the things that I enjoy about the world around us is its contrasts. Uh, The guys down at the Chinese restaurant know at least one of the dishes I'm going to order each time I go down there. It's sweet and sour pork. Uh, it's one of Alison's favourites. Sweet and sour, it's a combination that just goes well together, isn't it? I like things like having hot food with a cold drink, or cold food like ice cream with a a hot coffee. Um, Or, I said to Alison the other day, she was sitting in the the lounge room with just the lights of the the hallway on, and, and just the way the light was shining on her while she was sitting in shadow, I just said it was... It was a romantic scene. You know, light and shade, they they work so well together. And this is a story so full of contrasts that just bring out uh, a tremendous wealth of beauty that's there. We've got a man who's in immediate crisis and a woman who has been suffering for 12 years in her disease. We've got a man who is someone of significance in his community and a woman who has been a sickly outcast for many years. And we have Jesus who responds both to an invitation and to someone who comes completely uninvited. When you walked in this morning, uh, some of your experiences may be contrasted with each other. Some may have walked into a place of familiarity and acceptance. You know this place, you entered with confidence. Some of you might have come in a little bit unsure of how you would fit or how you would be accepted. You might be here by invitation or you might have brought yourself despite the odds. What brings us together, however, is a mutual need that we have for Christ and our hope and trust that he holds for us the answers to things like suffering and death and holds for us the key to life. As we look at this beautiful story, as Chris has prayed, May God reveal to us not only the beauty of this story, but the beauty of the story that God has for each of us. We read in Mark's Gospel, we're in chapter 5, picking it up from verse 21, that Jesus crossed again in the boat to the other side of the lake, and a great crowd gathered about him as he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. Now, synagogue is sort of one of those local places of of learning. Uh, Three times a year, uh, Jewish people would go to Jerusalem where they would be a part of the festivals and the sacrifices there. Maybe like you go to uh, uh, Ketubah Convention each year or the Baptist Assembly or Hillsong Conference. They were the big gatherings of people. But but week by week, they would meet for the teaching of of local scribes uh, in a synagogue like a local church and this leader of the synagogue he wouldn't wouldn't have been one of the scribes or Pharisees but he he would be the one who would be uh, in charge of taking care of the place making sure the scrolls were were taken good care of um, that they were presented each each week and those sorts of things so he was well known and a man of uh, high standing within his community now it's interesting that he is one who comes to Jesus because we know it was very early in Jesus' ministry that he was kicked out of his own synagogue. He, he opened up the scroll of Isaiah and said, these promises of Isaiah, they're fulfilled in me and the people uh, didn't want to hear anymore. And so Jesus from that point has, has been teaching in, in the countryside and, and on the hillsides. And the scribes and the Pharisees have been hounding him They've recognized that this is a man who Mark is revealing to us is the Son of God. Or they recognize that this is at least what he is claiming. And so they've already begun their plans to put him to death. So, what is it that makes this man of prominent standing in his community, representative of the Jewish people, come and and plead with Jesus falling at his feet? A very real personal crisis. He implored Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. I think sometimes we get to that point in our life where we think, I don't care what it's going to mean for me. I don't care what my friends might say. I have a need in my life that I know only God can meet. And I'm willing to seek him. I'm willing to fall at his knees, uh, fall on my knees at his feet, and find out if God really has the hope of life for me. He's a man of some importance, falling before Jesus with a simple request, and Jesus answers it very simply. Verse 24 just has a very short verse that says, "And Jesus went with him. He didn't enter into conversation. He didn't find out who he was or where he was from or or what it meant for him that day to come and fall before him. He just heard the need and he went. And I think that's our first encouragement, that when we come to God with our prayers, God is ready to listen and ready to act. Now, on only way, and, and a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had... Was no better, and rather grew worse. This woman doesn't have the the respect of her community. She's not able to to meet with uh, with her fellow Jews as as they meet weekly in the synagogue. She has a discharge of blood. Under the Levitical law, that means that she's unclean. She's not able to worship with people. She is well, if you were to describe it in today's terms the person that everyone thinks has got that virus that they don't want to catch the doctors there's no shame on them for not being able to uh, diagnose or or solve this this disease they just they don't have um, the understanding of of the medical world as, as we have it today or the ability to to surgically intervene as we do today they may have been trying some many peculiar things at great cost to her and no one has been able to bring healing and no one has been able to restore her dignity. She has suffered for 12 years. And so rather than being the first person to meet Jesus as he gets off the boat, she's someone who has to crawl her way through the crowd, knowing that if anyone identifies her as being so close to them, they, they would shun her immediately. But, but she holds on to this one hope that if, if all I can do is just touch the hem of his garment... That would be enough for me. Jairus' problem is public, and it's easily shared. This woman's problem is private and holds intense shame for her. But yet, Jesus sees that she's a woman of significance. She'd heard the reports about Jesus, came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment, for she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Shock, horror for this woman who has been trying to do everything in secret suddenly to have the light of the crowd shone upon her. Jesus addressed to this woman who has suffered for, for many years comes at the expense of a dying girl who's got to wait. We sometimes can feel that we're not important enough for God, that our concerns are not urgent enough. For he is a man of prominence and, and he's made the request of Jesus and Jesus is on his way to, to, to get to this girl before she dies. And this woman of insignificance pushes away through the crowd, touches his garment, and the whole show stops. I wonder if you ever feel that your concerns are not important enough or urgent enough or or that you are not important enough. I experience this from time to time as people come to my office, very apologetic. Look, I know you're busy. But there's a need that I just need to bring before God. And we have to know that when God looks upon us, he sees each one of us as significant. And our need, whether it's urgent or whether it's one that's been with us for some time, is one that he wants to meet. Jesus shows here that God is never too busy and that one person's problems are no less than another's. You are important to him and your problems matter to him he looked around to see who had done it but the woman knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling and fell down before him told him the whole truth and he responded daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your disease why did Jesus speak these words he already knew that the power had gone out from him he knew that they were in a hurry the woman knew in herself that she'd been healed. She felt it the moment that she touched his garment. Her faith had healed her. But Jesus declares two things. One, he says, daughter. Daughter. This story should be about the little girl lying, dying on the bed, but this, Jesus he, he stops and speaks to this woman and gives her an identity. You are the daughter of God. I care about you. I affirm who you are. I affirm your worth. And I want to speak to you about your indignity. He says, you are healed. He says it to the woman who knows, but he says it in the hearing of the crowd who's 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 sure that something is, Sinister is going to happen here as the woman comes before him in fear and he says, Someone's touched me and power has gone out from me. Surely there's a reprimand coming. But it's not a reprimand for the woman, it's a reprimand for the crowd. Woman, you are healed. This is now your community. You are accepted once again. There's nothing that you need to fear. Dearly loved, God has a place for you in the company of his children. But while Jesus was speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I wonder if sometimes you feel that God's plans for your life have been interrupted. That it's well and good that God's, you know, been meeting the needs of Of this woman who's been suffering for 12 years and that sort of thing but you're the guy who's standing on the on the outside just looking in going time is short I've made my invitation God has said that he will respond but now it just seems like he's taken too long to respond to my need maybe my hope in him was misplaced Do you sometimes feel that Jesus is too busy with other people's problems? That lesson's told twice in this story. He's not too busy to stop and meet the needs of the woman. And we will find that he's not so busy meeting the needs of the woman that he's not able to meet the needs of the man as well. But Jesus also shows us here that sometimes we are called to wait for an answer not always can we reach out and gain immediately a response, the response that we're hoping for. Just as the woman's faith had continued throughout 12 years of suffering, Jairus' faith had to endure what seemed to be at that moment an impossible end. And Jesus says to him, Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. We sang a song on our leaders' retreat this weekend by Hillsong called New Wine. It has these words, In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. Now we know that it was Christ who was crushed, and he who was pressed for for our sins and our iniquities, he faced death for us. And we know that he calls us to suffer for his name. He says to his disciples, You will know when you are being obedient to me, for those who have hated me will hate you also. But there are times when God allows us to be pressed and allows us to be crushed, not that we would be punished or persecuted, but that he might be producing in us the works of faith, of patient endurance. And so later in the song, the lyrics say, So I yield to you and to your mighty hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. And Alison says on the way home in the car as we listen to the song again, that's the line I love. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. It's what Jairus is needing to do at that moment. He doesn't understand why Jesus has stopped. He doesn't understand why Jesus has allowed this death to occur. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. What are the things that we are afraid of? Loneliness? Unfulfilled dreams? Loss of significance? Uncertainty regarding our future? Separation from those we love, physical pain, loss of income. These things are real in our lives and we can respond to them in fear. We can fear even death itself. But Jesus says, Do not fear, only believe. And I don't think it's enough that we believe just that these things won't happen or that if we're in these things, it's only for a time. For God does allow pain. He does allow sickness and poverty and disappointment and even death. And if you believe that your belief in God will keep you from these things, it will not be long before you start looking for something else to believe in. What Mark is telling us in his gospel is there is a man who is God, and we can believe in him. Jesus at this time is showing signs of the kingdom. He's saying, believe, repent and believe that the, the kingdom is come. I brought it in. And it has begun now. I'll show you. I've got the power over the demons. I've got the power over sickness. I've got the power even over death. And there's a time when I will go and prepare all these things for you. And then I will return and I will find out if there is faith on the earth. Because you're going to continue in the brokenness of this world. You will have a counsellor. You will have a helper, but you are going to continue in this struggle. And I want to know if you have faith in me that there will come a day when I will heal every sickness, that I will destroy every disease, when death will be no more, when I will wipe every tear from every eye. I wonder, can you wait for that day? Do not fear, only believe. We come to the end of the story and Jesus enters into Jairus' house after throwing off those who are are there as mourners. Um, They're professional mourners, they're paid to be there. Um, They go from mourning to laughing when Jesus says, she's only sleeping, um, take a hike. But Jesus, with his closest disciples, and Jairus and his wife, enter into the girl's room, well, into the place where she is. And taking her by the hand, he says, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. These are the words of a loving father to his own daughter. I think sometimes when we consider our own children and we think, God, you know how much I love my children and you know the despair that I am in for them. Maybe those who have wandered from the truth, maybe those who have met their death before my own. God, how can you see me in my brokenness of heart and not hear my prayer? And God says, I know your children, they are mine. If your heart breaks for them, know that my heart is broken for them. Little girl, arise, Jesus speaks. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was nearly 12 years of age, she was of that age. They were immediately overcome with amazement, and Jesus says, give us something to eat. Is this just concern for the girl or is this proof of life? For Jesus, as he appears later in the resurrection before his disciples and they're in disbelief, says, give me something to eat. I'll I'll show you the proof of this resurrection. It's real. In this case, it was temporary. She lived only to face death again at some point. In Jesus' case, never to see death again. And God wants us to look to what is eternal. Our real and present hurts and needs right now. We can can come and we can bring before him. And he wants us to plead and he wants us to press. Jairus pleads with Jesus to come. The woman presses through the crowd to touch. They're the examples of faith. But we need not to fear, but believe that even death is not a barrier for us in God fulfilling his word. And so I know some of you here have those private needs that, like the woman, you just can't make public And I know some of you have got those public needs that that even though everyone knows about it, no one is able to help. And I want us as a community of faith to bear with each other in these things. To come before God pleading each other's cases that we might see God work in practical and, and miraculous ways but that in all things we would be growing in our faith that as Christ has brought the kingdom into our lives and promised that the kingdom is to come in its fulfillment, that we would not let anything distract us, not let anything hold us back, but that he would be the one that we seek, the one that we plead for, the one that we press into. Let's do this and glorify Christ in this way. Lord Jesus, I want to bring those spoken words and unspoken needs before you. Lord, we thank you that you have the ability to take away shame, restore relationship, bring people to health and wholeness, call us to community and indeed family. Lord, we don't want to seek any of these things more than seeking you, for you are the Son of God. You are our deliverer. You are our healer. You are our hope and our salvation. Lord, I thank you for the significance that we have in the love of Christ. I thank you, Lord, for the the role that we have as as the body of Christ in caring for one another. Lord, we pray in this place that, that each person might be accepted, that each person may be loved that every need would be shared. But Lord, we pray most of all that in this place, in our homes and in our lives, that you would be glorified, that we would look to you and hope for you, expect in you and have faith in you. Lord, may our testimony bring indeed others to know the loving care of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.